Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for the privilege we have of being able to come together to study and fellowship around your word. We thank you, Lord, that every Sunday you come with a word ready and prepared for us. Now we receive it in the name of Jesus. Our hearts are ready. Our ears are anointed to hear what you have to say. We declare also, Father God, that we are not only hearers of the word, but we are doers also in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we choose not just to be made excited by the word, but we choose also to do as it says. No, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Lord, for giving us the strength, the courage, and ability to be obedient to your word, to walk on your instructions, to be led by your word. Father, correct everything in our lives, in our hearts that is not in line with your word. Use your word to guide us. Use your word to teach us. Use your word to lead us. Father, we don't want to lead our own lives, but we want to be led by you. And we thank you that this morning you will continue leading and guiding us through your word in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Father, for all that you have in store for us, the plans that you have for us as a church, as individuals, as families. We give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that the good work that you've began in our lives, Father, you will do it until the day of Jesus Christ and we'll be careful to give you alone the praise, the honor, and all the glory for all that will be revealed and accomplished through your word in this morning service. And everybody say amen. amen. Praise God. Look at someone and say, I'm ready to receive the word of God. And the other side also. And behind you too. I hope you told them so that when they try to talk to you, you remind them, I told you I'm ready to receive the word of God. Amen? All right, you may take your seats. You may take your seats. Hey. I, I see interesting things on the walls, in front. Amen? Awesome. Awesome. By the way, we are online now. I need to behave as I preach. Just stick to the scriptures. Stick to the word. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Pastor Felix, good to see you, sir. I noticed you having, I've been missing you. I'm like, where is my Afro pastor? Good to see you. Welcome. Good to see Baba Tepo as well in the house. Amen. God is good. Amen. All right, now we're busy with, um, we were supposed to finish last week with the seven hindrances to prayer, seven hindrances to prayer, and um, we uh, could not finish on them because, um, what did we do? We had a guest speaker, amen, an unprepared guest speaker, so we're going to be finishing um, the seven hindrances to prayer. Praise God. Now, who remembers the first three that we've already touched on? The first three hindrances to prayer. Who remembers them? Who wants to remind us what number one is? All right. So we said number one is lack of prayer. Amen? Uh, but I didn't put it like that. I didn't say lack of prayer. 
I said, lack of it. Lack of praying consistently. That's that word I'm looking for, consistently. Amen? Because believers can go like, but now I pray. I'm not just talking about praying. I'm talking about consistently praying. Amen? And there are scriptures that we looked into that encourages us to do what? Consistently pray. Say, I must consistently pray. How many of you guys consistently eat? How many of you guys? <laughs> Pastor Steve is like, how many of you guys consistently eat? Okay, let me ask you, why, why do you consistently eat? Why don't you eat occasionally? I mean, I think some of you ladies, you want to maintain your weight, you want to lose some weight, you want to, so, I mean, that will require you to occasionally eat. How many of you guys, so you guys consistently eat? Why is it important for you to consistently eat? Anyone? Because? Nourishment, all right? Nourishment. Okay, someone else? Huh? I'm hoping to hear someone say so that I don't die. I I eat consistently so that I don't die. Amen? How many guys know that if you do not eat, you will die? Amen? So spiritually is the same. If we do not pray, we will die. Amen? We will spiritually die. And let me tell you something. The more we pray, the more we are in the presence of God. And the more in the presence of God we are, the more we can discern things. The more we can be spiritually alert. The more we are in the presence of God, the easier it is for us to do the word. But the the less we are in the presence of God, the less obedient we become. The the, the less nice we are. How many of you guys know that you are not nice? You are ugly without the word. Say this and say, say, without the word, I'm very ugly. I promise you. In fact, Proverbs, not Proverbs, uh, Peter, 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 uh, Mutanga, Peter, Peter talks about the beauty uh, of a woman which is in the obedience of the world, right? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, First Peter 3, okay. Greater marriages. I'm just giving you greater marriages. You know, we're going to be along those lines. Amen? Praise God. So, uh, it's very good that we pray continually. Okay, let me not spend too much time. I've got three to cover. The second one that we spoke about is lack of faith, Right? Lack of faith. And the second hindrance to prayer is a lack of faith. And then we took some time to define what faith is. Amen? Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says, faith, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? Someone once said, if you want to know what faith is, read Hebrews 11 verse 1. I read Hebrews 11 verse 1. I got more confused. (laughs) So if you want to know what faith is, read Hebrews 11 verse 1. Can we read it? Are you ready? Read. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we can also say faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
and faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, the word evidence is used a lot in a courtroom. They always look for evidence. They look for proof. Am I right? So evidence is proof. Evidence is, what, what's the other word for proof, for evidence? Hmm? So it's only those two words we have in English. Huh? Okay. Proof, evidence, amen? Now, if it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, we need to know what faith is. We need to know how to get faith, actually. How do we get faith? By hearing the word. So, without the word, there is no faith. If I want faith, I must get what? The word. If I want a lot of faith, I must get? If my faith is little, that means I've got? Little word. If I've got no faith, that means I've got how much of word? No word. So no word, no? Little word, little? Too much word, too much? So now, let's read the scripture again, and let's just uh, replace the word faith with the, with the, with, with, uh, the word of God. Are we together? It said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now we're going to take that faith, that word faith, we're going to replace it with the word of God. Can we do that? Let's read. Now the word of God is the substance of things hoped for, and the word of God is the evidence of things not seen. It, it, it sounds a little bit better, right? The word of God is the proof of things not seen. What does that mean? That means if I have the word of God, I have proof for whatever I'm believing for. If I have the word of God, I have evidence for whatever it is I'm trusting God for. So if I come to you, and let's say someone is admitted in hospital, all right? Someone is admitted in hospital, and they are fighting for their life. And I go to them and I say, do you believe that the word of God can heal you? And they say, yes. Do you believe that God can heal you? And they say, yes. And I say, give me proof. Give me evidence. What am I looking for? I'm looking for the word of God. If they say to me, uh, 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 yeah, I know, I know God wants to heal me and everything. Do they have proof? Do they have evidence? Are they in faith? So if they don't, you guys, your no is not convincing. It's like you, either you don't understand what I'm saying or you don't agree with what I'm saying. Which makes me to explain again. Because we have a lot of believers who are not in faith. Yet they think they are in faith. Now that's very dangerous to think you got something when you don't. To think you are walking in faith and you're not. You are not walking in faith if you do not have proof. If you don't have evidence. Hello? I'm yet to go from point number four. That's where our teaching is starting. But it clearly looks like, it clearly looks like we cannot go to point number four because you guys don't understand point number two. 
The second hindrance to faith is a lack of faith. If there's no faith, there's no point in praying. If there's no faith, don't worry about praying. Before you pray, go build your faith up. Take some time to build your faith up. Then when you are fully persuaded, when you are fully convinced, when there is no doubt, go pray. Go pray. And now when you pray, you are praying with the heart full of faith. And when your heart is full of faith, the devil can bring it on. He can bring it on. It will not move you. Because already the word has moved you. Amen. But the reason why the devil succeeds in moving us, in discouraging us, in bringing us doubt is because when we went to God, we went to God with no faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, now uh, uh, he who comes to God must believe. When you come to God, it's very important that you. So if you don't believe, what should you do? Don't come to God. If you don't believe, don't go there. Go to your Bible. <laughs> now, I said, the Word of God is the substance. What does the word substance mean? Substance mean? Something tangible, right? Substance is something tangible, something that's material, right? The Word of God, it is the substance of what? Things hoped for. Anything, something that you are hoping for, you can't touch. Hello? It, it, it has not yet materialized. You are hoping for it. But the word of God is that substance. That thing that you are hoping for that you can't see, that has not yet materialized, when you have the word of God, it has already materialized. <laughs> I must repeat it. Otherwise, <laughs> one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The things that we are hoping for, we cannot see them, we cannot touch them. They are in the realm of what? Of hope. We are hoping for them. We are wishing for them. Substance is something that is immaterial. Substance is something tangible. Now it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Which means... When I have faith, I have that tangible thing. Faith is the tangible thing of whatever I'm hoping for. In actual faith, in actual fact, faith, faith it is my hope. Faith is the thing that I'm hoping. If I'm hoping for a job, faith is the job. If I'm hoping for healing, 
faith is healing. If I'm hoping for a husband, faith is a husband. If I'm hoping for a wife, faith is the wife. So when you have faith, you don't need to hope no more. Be, be because you have been translated from hope to faith. Because hope and faith are not the same thing. Hope is wishing. Faith is living in it. And then he says, faith is the proof, the evidence. So, so if I say to you, I own a piece of land... In Nigeria. And then you say, Pastor, I don't believe you. I want evidence. I want proof. Now, after you've paid up your house or your car, what do you get from the bank? You get a title deed. A title deed is evidence, is proof that the car now belongs to you or the house now belongs to you. Before you finish paying it up, it belonged to the bank. It belonged to the bank because you're still paying it. After you finish paying it, the bank gives you a title deed. Now, the title deed is evidence, is proof that the house belongs to you. So if I say to you, I have a piece of land in Nigeria, and you say, Pastor, I don't believe you, no problem. But I don't have to take you with me to Nigeria to go show you the piece of land that I own. I just produce for you my title deed. What is my title deed? My proof, my evidence. Now when you see the title deed, you know I have a piece of land in Nigeria, yet you have not been to Nigeria to see it. You do not have to see it to believe it. Now, faith is the title deed of things hoped for. Faith is the title deed of things not seen. So when I come to your hospital bed and I say, do you believe the Lord can heal you? Yes, pastor, I believe. Show me your proof. Show me your evidence. Where's your title deed? I'm looking for the word. If you cannot give me scripture, then you are not in faith. You are in the hope realm. You are wishing. You are hoping. And I've been hoping for a very long time in my life, and I've realized that hope is a very bad deliverer. Does not deliver. Amen? Faith delivers. Not deliverance. Deliver. You know, like you deliver a package. <laughs> to spiritual, like we're delivering. Like, ah! No, no, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> Are you with me? Say with me. Say, faith, faith. is the title deed. Faith, faith is the evidence. Faith, faith is the word of God. The word of God is the title deed. The word of God is proof. The word of God is evidence of the things I need. So, please, from today, when you decide to go pray and ask God for anything, make sure you've got your proof 
Make sure you've got your title deed. Make sure you've got your evidence. First, go get evidence. You, a lawyer will never show up in front of the judge without evidence. That's a, that's a, that's a judge's waste of time and the client's waste of time. The lawyer will take some time to prepare proof, evidence, so that when he shows up in front of the judge, he can prove what he says. You will show up to God and you say, Lord, I'm trusting you for a car. God says, I don't believe you. You don't have proof to convince God that you believe him. You don't have proof. Your emotions are your proof. Oh, Lord, Lord, I really need it. I really need it. Oh, Jesus. That's nothing to God. That's nothing. Get out of your emotions and get into the word. Get into your proof. Amen? It's your fault. It's your fault. Do we understand point number two? You see why I don't like rushing things? Amen? We're not in a hurry here. Oh, Pastor Abi, I want a new revelation, a new, new word. Yet you failed to obey the very one that you got last week. Number three, we said the third reason why our prayers are not answered is because of lack of patience. Lack of patience. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about that patience that you apply when you're waiting for your wife in the car while she's busy finishing in front of the mirror. No, that's not the patience I'm talking about. Like, you know, baby, baby, we're getting late. You know, it's time for church. No, that's not the faith, the, the, the patience I'm talking about. Amen? What is Bible patience? What is Bible patience? We looked at the word... Um, James 1 and 2. What does it say? Count it all joy when you face what? Trials of many kinds. Amen? And then it says, because the testing of your faith, the testing of your proof, the testing of your evidence produces patience. Patience. Say faith will get tested. And the result of it is patience. You see, we need faith and patience. We call that the power twins. Because faith cannot work without patience. Are you with me? Waiting is a spiritual thing. Hebrews 6 verse 12. It talks about with faith and patience we inherit the promises. Now, the waiting is very, very crucial because if your faith is not set, then you will fail in the waiting. Patience is waiting, but not just waiting like you're waiting for a bus that you missed. You're waiting for another one and you're applying patience. patience. Uh -uh. This patience, <laughs> hallelujah, this patience it's a position of confidence. I am confident. And because I'm confident, I will stand firm, patiently waiting, unmovable. Is it unmovable or immovable? 
immovable. Yeah, you see online, you're learning English as well. Immovable. Are you with me? Immovable. In other words, nothing will move you. Nothing will shake you. Hello? You are set in this thing. You are convinced in this thing. One mind, focused, unwavering. Are you with me? You are patient in this thing. Is that my phone? No, my phone is here. Praise God. Now, let's go to number four. Let's go to number four. Praise Jesus. The fourth thing that will affect your prayer life, we spoke about it a few weeks ago, offense in your heart. Offense in your heart. Like I said, this is where today's teaching starts from. From point number four. Four, five, six, seven. So let's go. This is what I wrote. Because of offense, churches are destroyed. Because of offense, families are destroyed. Because of offense, friendships are destroyed. Because of offense. Churches split because of offense. Marriages are destroyed. Divorces are experienced because of offense. Best friends can no longer walk together because of offense. Sons have went and started churches prematurely because of offense. Spiritual relationships between father and son have been destroyed because of offense. Because of offense. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Let's start it from verse 10. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one, that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest... Satan take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan takes advantage of us if we are ignorant of his devices, if we are ignorant of his plans, if we are ignorant of his strategies. He takes advantage of us. And one of the traps that he uses 
is the trap of offense. It's the trap of offense. So the Bible says we should not be ignorant of how the devil operates. Let's not be ignorant of how he works. The tools that he uses. He will use unforgiveness. He will use offense. It, it's his plan. It is his tool. In fact, it's number one, one of the most successful tools the devil uses is offense. One of the most successful tools that he uses is offense. Go to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Verse 8, sorry. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober. No, man, are you sure I did not do this last week, two weeks ago? I did. So I'm supposed to start from point number five. You guys misled me. Oh, let's go deeper. <laughs> He said, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil. Say, the devil yeah. is my adversary. Yeah. What does he do? He walks about like a roaring lion. How does he walk about like a? He walks about like a? Is he a roaring lion? He's not a roaring lion. What does he do? He acts like one. He walks about like one but he's not a roaring lion amen so we must be careful be vigilant be sober because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking what is he doing seeking. what is he doing seeking. he's seeking whom he may he's seeking whom he May devour. What does the word devour mean? Destroy. Huh? He is seeking whom he may destroy. Why, why is he seeking? Why is he not destroying everybody? Why must he seek? Because there are those that are not devourable. <laughs> Hello? There are, there are those that are not destroyable. There are those that are not deceivable. So he has to seek among everybody the one he may devour, the one he may deceive, the one he may destroy, because not everybody is deceivable. So he's seeking the one who. Now, normally those that are devourable by the devil, deceivable by the devil, those that are targets to the devil for to be destroyed are those with offense in their hearts. Are the ones with offense in their heart, offense with bitterness in their hearts, uh, offense with bitterness in their hearts, yeah, bitterness in their hearts, offense in their hearts, anger in their hearts, hatred in their hearts, unforgiveness in their hearts, all those things. Those are traps of the devil. You see, that's why the Bible says in John 14 verse 1, let not your heart be what? Troubled. Don't let your heart be what? 
troubled because a, a troubled heart is an offended heart. A, a troubled heart is an unforgiving heart. A troubled heart is a bitter heart. Hello? A, 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 a troubled heart is an angry heart. So God don't want us entertaining anger. God don't want us entertaining unforgiveness. God don't want us entertaining offense. God don't want us entertaining those things because they trouble our hearts. And our hearts are created for God. Because, because, because listen, God uses you according to the condition of your heart. There's no way God will, will, will call me to pastor a church with so many people if I cannot handle offense. I'll be disqualified because you offend me. You offend me. So if I could not handle the offense you bring to me as a pastor, I must step down from being a pastor. If I cannot protect my heart, I must step down from what I'm doing. If I cannot handle gossip, if gossip destabilizes me, if, if gossip distracts me, if gossip, then I'm weak. I must step down. Then the devil will attack me through your gossip. And I'll come to Sunday, I can't preach because I heard a rumor. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a little, a little child or a little teenager that refuses to go to school because they heard a rumor. Baby, why don't you want to go to school? No, daddy, I heard my friends that are saying this about me and everything. You can't, you can't be like that as a warrior of Christ. No, you can't. You can't leave a church because of offense. No. Are you kidding me? Why didn't you leave your mother's house and your father's house when they offended you? Why didn't you leave your home when they offended you? But you lived all those years until you were ready to go live on your own with all the offenses and the hurts and the anger and the bitterness. You experienced them all, but you never left. But when you come to church... When you come to church, I don't know what happens with us when we come to church. We become sissies. Huh? Weak. Every little thing, when someone is sitting on your favorite chair. Hello? God help us. That's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. We are not consistent. God can't trust us because our emotions, they rule us. We are ruled by emotions. Hello? If you can't say amen, at least say ouch. <laughs> but say something. <laughs> amen, family? Amen. Offense, one of the biggest traps to the devil. That's why Proverbs 4 verse 23, which is a slogan to this church, it says, above all else, what must you do with your heart? God. God. What is to God? Protect your heart. Shield, I love that. Shield your heart. Protect your heart. 
Why? Why must you protect your... Listen, you, you, they can hit you everywhere. It's fine. Just make sure they don't hit your... No, no, no. My heart is hitting. Hit me here. Hit me, hit me everywhere. But not my heart. Because after you are done with hitting me, I need my heart to take me to another level. But when my heart is affected, my life is affected. But if my heart is protected, my life is protected. My marriage is protected. Are you with me? Your heart. And then he says, because out of your heart flows what? The issues of life. Issues of life. Issues of life. Praise Jesus. Now I want to move from there. I'll go deeper some other time. Let's go to number five. Let's go to number five. The number five. Number five reason why the word of God, why our prayers are not answered. Disobedience to God's will. Disobedience to God's will. Oh, Jesus. Now, say this with me. Say, the will of God is the word of God. The word of God is the will of God. So if you want to know what the will of God is, where will you find it? I can't hear? Is the will of God in your feelings? Is the will of God in your mind? What you think? Is the will of God based on what the majority say? Because normally we follow things because many people are saying it. We follow things because they feel good or they feel right. Amen? That's not, just because everyone agrees with it is not proof that that is the will of God. Just because everyone is doing it, that does not mean that is the will of God. If it's not the will of God and everyone else is doing it, then everyone else is wrong. Even if you are the only one doing it. Now, there are so many things that we do that look right, that sound right, but they are not the word of God. They are not the will of God because the will of God is what? The word of God. And the word of God is what? The will of God. You can never know the will of God without the word of God. Because the word of God and the will of God are one. They are inseparable. They are one thing. Hello? Now the will of God can sometimes disagree with your feelings. In actual fact, in most times, the will of God will disagree with your feelings. 
Can I prove it? What does the Bible say you must do with your enemies? The Bible says you must do what with your enemies? You must love your enemies, right? Between loving your enemy and hating your enemy, which one is easier to do? Which one is easier to do? I mean, what's expected, naturally? Hating your enemy, right? And the Bible does not only say you must love your enemy. It also says something that you should do for your enemy. What must you do for your enemy? The Bible says you must pray for your enemy. Now, now, how many of you guys can say loving your enemies and praying for your enemies, you know, it goes with how you feel. It, you know, your feelings are in agreement with that. It's easier to pray for the people that you love. It's easy to pray for your wife. It's easy to pray for your husband. It's easy to pray for your job. It's easy to pray for your children because you love those things. You can even spend hours praying for those things that you love. I, I wonder how long you spend praying for your enemies. I challenge you to pray for your enemies more than praying for the ones that you love. Why would God expect us to pray for our enemies? Because you can, if you are full of hate towards your enemy, but when you pray for them, the hatred will turn into love because of the power of prayer. That's how much God don't want your heart to be troubled. That he will even get you to pray for your enemies for the sake of your heart. For the sake of your heart. Hello? My spiritual father had... Uh, uh, hallelujah. Someone gave an offering. I'm just showing you. an offering. You, you are allowed to follow. My spiritual father, um, he... Um, someone... Some pastor spoke bad of him, and that pastor used to uh, offering people. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> Praise God! Uh, th this is an indication that the the pastor is preaching good. The the pastor is preaching how? Good offering people. Preacher, hallelujah. Hey, in the name of Jesus. Now, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm teaching you on how to bring the best out of a preacher. I didn't do this. Someone did it, so I'm just following them. Praise God. Now, um, there's some preacher who once said, I'm preaching better than your offering. <laughs> Another one says, said, I'm preaching better than your amens. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. So, so, so th this, this speaker used to speak um, ill of him uh, to, you know, other ministers. And he would invite them to come and minister. And they will, um, you know, turn the invitation down because of things that they heard about him. And one of them told him and said, listen, the reason why I keep um, uh, turning down your invitation is because I've been hearing this and this about you. And then he said to him, man of God, now you've known me for many years. And I'm here in America 
and I'm living in your house. I've been living in your house. You tell me from how I have been if you've ever noticed anything that is in line with these rumors that you've heard. So you be the judge. And he said, Theo, you know what? I actually did not believe the things that I heard. And then he told him, the person that has been saying these things. And he said he felt bitterness entering his heart. Like wrong thoughts concerning that pastor entering his heart. And he went to the Bible, and the Bible says, do good. Pray for those. Amen? So he looked, he, was, he started thinking and wondering, what can I do to prevent this thing that is in my heart? So he decided to send him money every month using different banks so that, you know, he makes it difficult for him to trace who he is, where the money is coming from. And he did that for three years. Listen, I understand one month. <laughs> I, I can understand two to three months. I, I can understand that. Three years. Three years. Papa Sabs, three years. Why would he do that? What do you think that did? He said the more he gave, the more he gave, the more the bitterness left. And I'm sure probably God left the bitterness there for a while so he can give longer. <laughs> Imagine now God was blessing that one using an enemy. Hello? Uh, you see, you see God, God, is, God is awesome, man. Who hates me? What a chevetak. Disobedience to the will of God is disobedience to the word of God. That hinders our prayers. God will not answer a prayer of a disobedient child. As parents, we do it, not God. We tell our children, if you do this, you're not going to get that. The child, they do this, and they still get that. We are not people of our words. God is a man of his word. If he said no, it's a no. You cannot manipulate him. You cannot manipulate God. Can manipulate your parents, give them that sad face, and they feel sorry and they change their mind. Not God. Not God. Are we together, family? Look at Matthew 26, verse 41. Matthew 26, verse 41. It gives us the reason why we are disobedient to the will of God. It says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Is weak. Say, my flesh, my flesh. 
is weak to obey. My spirit is strong to obey. So what must we feed the most? We need to feed the spirit because that's the one that is willing to obey. And we need to starve the flesh because it's weak to obey. And this coming week, as we are fasting, it's a great opportunity to feed the spirit and starve the flesh. Fasting is an exercise of silencing the flesh to feed more the spirit. The purpose of fasting is to silence the flesh so that the voice of the spirit is louder and clearer and is heard. The reason why we cannot hear the word is because we're listening to wrong voices. The voice of the flesh, the flesh, they talk to you based on how the flesh feels, what the flesh is craving. The flesh will tell you, I'm tired. I don't want to pray. The flesh will tell you, I'm tired. I don't want to read the word. The flesh will tell you, no, I don't want to love these people because they take advantage of my love. I'm tired of doing this thing. The flesh is weak. But the Spirit is always saying, go for it. Make some time to pray. Make some time to read the word. Love these people. Forgive these people. Don't take offense. Serve in the church. Even if you're not noticed. Even if the pastor is not giving you, you know, uh, uh, the, the, that, what is it, the tap on your shoulder. Keep on doing it. Don't do it for recognition. Do it because the Lord expects you to do it. How many people have gotten offended because the pastor did not say hello to them? I promise, I kid you not. Just because the pastor did not notice. When I enter the, the church doors, I mean, please notice everything that is done by people and please encourage them. My brother, you're doing a good job. My sister, oh, you're doing a good job. <laughs> make sure you don't miss that one. Offense. Hey, hey, hey. Uh -uh. It's not my duty to make sure you don't get offended. It's your duty. How? I'm an egg. But for some dollar. Such pressure. Do you see how many you are? Ni one. So I don't have many. If I miss something, I miss it. Let's not do things for people's praises. Amen. No, let's not do it for praises. Who, who, who praises me for preaching every Sunday? Some of you guys, you never send me a message, Pastor, that was a good word to encourage. You never do that, some of you. I mean, I, I, you don't have to. I appreciate it if you do, but you know you don't have to. In fact, some of you, you'll even find wrong things. You'll even find wrong things. And you'll find me in my little corner with the Lord. They only see negative things. Every, every week, you know, every Monday, every Monday I have to engage, disregard things I go through, disregard even the things I go through with my wife or with my family or maybe the financial challenges. I have to disregard those things and I have to get myself into a position where the Lord can give me word for the weekend for you. I can't entertain a lot of things in life because I have an assignment. I have an assignment. 
And my assignment is to build God's people. I need to build God's people. I've got no time to be on the floor and complaining and criticizing. I've got no time for that. I need to be in the presence of God. I need to make sure that my heart is pure. Amen? That's not easy. It's very easy to say it and say, ah, Please tell them that doesn't move me. That doesn't move me at all. Amen? The flesh is weak. The spirit is the one that is strong. I wrote here, look at what I wrote, and I think I said it in my prayer. I wrote it while I was standing here. Because there was such a presence of the Holy Spirit in the house. And the presence of God was here. People responding to the power of God, the presence of God. Awesome. Praise God for that. Worship team, well done. And then I, and then, and then I was right, I wrote here, my desire is for us not to just be people who get emotional at the presence of God, but obedient to the instructions of God. I didn't say we must not allow the presence of God to touch us and break us. But I said, I don't want us to only have that experience. That experience must come also with obedience. Imagine being in the presence of God and you experience the touch of God, the move of God, and it makes you really feel closer to God it makes you feel like you are hungry for God. Wow, I need, to, I need more of this and everything. And then you get to the Bible and the Bible gives an instruction and then you disobey it. So what was that for? What was that for? Because in his presence he breaks us, he breaks our pride. He breaks our pride. Galatians 5, 16. Must I end here or finish the last two? Are you sure? Well, you know the last two is two full sermons, eh? <laughs> Galatians 5, 16. Are you there? Galatians 5, 16. Listen to this. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit lusts against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. They are fighting each other. Why? So that you do not do the things that you wish. 
Walk in the spirit. If you are not walking in the spirit, you are walking how? So he says walk in the spirit, which means do not walk in the flesh. And when we walk in the spirit, we will not do what? Fulfill. We will not do what the flesh wants. We will not obey the flesh if we walk in the spirit. So if you want to be a Christian that is not led by the flesh, that is not obeying instructions of the flesh, the solution is to walk in the spirit. Now, I know this may sound deep. I want to simplify it. In this church, we simplify the word. Because you can say to someone, they must walk in the spirit, and they think that, hey, Pella, spirit, so Hello? Uh-uh. It's not talking about that. Now, we say that the word of God is food. What kind of food? What kind of food? What kind of food? Spiritual food. Spiritual? Food to the spirit. Say the word of God is food to my spirit. Information is food to my mind. Natural food is food to my body. Is that true? What other kind of food do we have? Relationships it's also food to my to my soul, right? To my soul. What is food to the marriage? First, 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 intimacy. T.D. Jakes, our intimacy is intimacy. Now, we're not there. Walk in the spirit. The word of God is food to the spirit. Galatians 5, 22, it says the fruits of the spirit. And it lists them. It said love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, patience, faithfulness, goodness, faith, self-control. It says those are the fruit of the Spirit. And then the Bible says, walk in the Spirit. Now, if the Word is food to the Spirit, and the Word produces fruits of the Spirit, and the Bible says, I must walk in the Spirit, then the Bible is saying, I must walk in the word. So walking in the spirit equals to walking in the word. I thought I was going to get a, 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 a revelation. Hallelujah. 
And now Pastor Abby, that's not a revelation. We know these things. You know, you, you taught us well. Hallelujah. So walking in the Spirit is walking in the Word of God. When you walk in the Word of God, you're walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit does not mean you're walking because you're feeling goosebumps. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Th those are fine. Being emotional under the presence, that's fine. But that's not walking in the Spirit. Shaking under the presence, awesome, great. But that's not walking in the Spirit. It's uh -uh. not it. it. It does not make you deep. That does not make, those, ex those experiences don't make you obedient. Hello? Walking in the spirit is walking in the instructions, living in the instructions, doing what the Bible says you should do. To a husband, walking in the spirit in your marriage is loving your wife. To the wife, walking in the spirit in the marriage means submitting to your husband. If you're not doing that, you're not walking in the spirit. You're walking in the flesh. Because the flesh is weak anyway. The spirit is always willing. When you are a member of the church and you disregard authority and you come late when they say come on time, you're walking in the flesh. I wonder how many fleshly, fleshy, people do, do we have this morning? And then he says, when we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That word lust can also be used as the word pressure. Pressure. When we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the pressures of the flesh. The pressures. You know the flesh can pressure you to do things? Can pressure you. But when you walk into the spirit, you will overcome the pressures of the flesh. Do you know why people have sex before marriage? Because of the pressure of the flesh. Now I know you can say, I know, I thought you loved God. I thought they love God. They are God's children. They are, they are born again. They just fulfilled. They just submitted to that pressure of the flesh. When you walk into the spirit, you will flee from that environment. Because the Bible says, flee. So to walk in the spirit is to baleg. <laughs> Running away is a spiritual act. <laughs> yeah, to run away is a spiritual act because, you know, we deceive ourselves and we deceive ourselves to tell ourselves that, ah, spiritually, Mina, I'm strong. That, that sexual temptation is not a spiritual attack, oh. It's a physical attack. It's a fleshly attack. Hello? <laughs> Listen, anyone can fall under that attack. That attack is very strong. Very strong. If you entertain it, it will get you down. Hello? So if you want to walk in the spirit in that situation, Baby, baby, I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. My room phone is so sad, you know? 
Nimtata bilo mfundisla. Was I lady choose the gereke was it? Go when in your right mind into what choose a gereke. Bless you. Amen. Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. That's walking in the word. Let's be stupid enough to believe and obey. Amen? If the Bible says, you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Don't try and engage your mind and what has been said out there in terms of that. Psychologists and those whatever just tell us that whipping a child affects the whatevers of a child, then the Bible is wrong then. Now my Bible says I must silently. How many of you guys were getting hiding and hiding has affected something in your cycle? <laughs> so, so why if it did not happen with you, you're starting to believe it now? In fact, not hiding used to get us in line. Because even at school, we will not dare be late. We will not dare show up without homework being done. Because we had this teacher during winter, he will, okay, that is abuse. Né? He will dip our hands on cold water, inside of cold water, and then he will hit us with a cane. I remember, I don't know who told us that bum can ease the pain, but anyway. And others, ladies, they will do like under their armpits. But that did not affect us psychologically. It it did not affect us. In fact, it got us obedient. I will not show up to school without homework done. No. It instilled a level of fear. I feared going to school without homework done. Amen. So now, because we are intelligent, we want to tell God that uh-uh, hitting a child will, will create anger in the child. They say so. It, it will create anger in the child. The child will be an angry person. Hello. My daughter gets a hiding, but she's still sweet. Uh, I don't see anger in her. Hey, but darling, I'm not hiding. This one. I'm becoming soft these days. It's been long, man. Maybe she's obedient. Hallelujah. But I think there's some hiding she owes me. <laughs> Amen, family. Did you guys get something today? Okay. All right. Number six. We're going to talk about it next week. But I wanted to start, start with something else next week. But we'll touch on this. Number six and number seven, we're going to touch them next week. Number six is selfish motives. Selfish motives. <laughs> Amen. 
Number seven is unforgiveness. So let's, 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 let's go through them. Seven, seven things that will hinder your prayer. Lack of praying con- consistently. Lack of faith. Lack of patience. Come help me now. Number four. Number four. Offense in the heart. Number five. Disobedience to the will of God. Number six. Selfish motives. Number seven. Unforgiveness. So you owe me three. And then our next, these are seven principles, seven hindrances to prayer. Then we're going to start with seven hindrances to faith. Those ones are for prayer and are for faith. Then after that, we're going to talk about seven principles for effective godly living. Seven principles to effective Godly living. I already started with that one. The faith one is already complete. It's in my Bible. So the next few weeks, I can just enjoy and rest in the presence of God. Amen. Praise God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Who here says this morning, Pastor Abby, thank you for that word. And I want to respond to that word. I heard the Lord speak to me. The Lord has been speaking to me in my heart. And I want to respond to that word. Family, we respond to the word of God by accepting the word of God. But first of all is by giving our lives to the Lord. So if you're here this morning and you have not given your life to the Lord, I'm not talking about joining this church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about giving your life to the Lord. What, that, what does that mean? That means the Lord Jesus comes to live in your heart and makes your heart his dwelling place. He makes your heart your, his home where you start living a life with him and not apart from him. So if you are here this morning and you say, Jesus, I want you into my heart. I open the door of my heart and I welcome you in. Come into my life. Save my life. If you are the person In a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and you'll be included in the short prayer that I'm going to make. The second people I want to talk to are those that say, I used to walk with Jesus. And life's challenges distracted me. And I stopped walking with Jesus. But I want to come back home to Jesus. Again, I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm talking about coming to Jesus. And yes, when Jesus, when you come back to Jesus, Jesus will lead you to a church. Because it's important to Jesus that you attend church. But that's not what I'm talking about. The last people I want to talk to are those that say, I want to make sure that heaven is my home. I want to spend eternity with my heavenly father in heaven. If you are the person, in a moment I'm going to ask you together with the others to lift up your hand. Are you ready? 
The first people are those they say, Jesus, come into my heart. The second people are saying, I want to come back home to Jesus. The third people are saying, I want to make sure that heaven is my home. At a count of three, lift your hand up in Jesus' name. Are you ready? One, two, three. Bless you. Bless you for that hand. Bless you. Bless you for that hand. Jesus, come into my heart. Save my life. Change my life, Jesus. Lift up your hand. Accept me back. I want to come back to a relationship with my father. Lift up your hand. We are about to pray. Don't be left out in this prayer. I want to make sure that heaven is my 